This is the podcast. Late nights. Late nights. Late nights with Travis. With Travis. With Travis. With Travis. Late nights with Travis. Late nights with Travis. And Lowe's. So three different things is you do a question. So for example, I'll say, Travis, what are three different things you can do with a soda pop can? You step on it, return it in for cycling, get some money, or uh, throw it at a passerby. Three different things, and then he pop, and then he says it to you. No, I have to. And then he'll say the something. I'll, no, I'll give you a different. Uh, that was thing. really fast. Like yeah, yeah. Not you got it. Yeah, not it's a, off. It's off. It's off the top of your head. It doesn't have to be good. Yeah, just gotta be fast. Yeah, yeah. and All so right. it's gonna say, so it's gonna go straight to you. All right. And then at the end, at the end of the three answers, I say three different things, and then first thing that you can think of to ask me, you ask me. And then How I do we think. determine a winner? There is no winner. Oh. It's improv. <laughs> the winner is if people are laughing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we better see some hearts we for the winner. All, All right. right. So uh, you, you start. No, I'll I start. start. You start. I start. I start. So we do. How about you start? I do. You got it. Shut up. I got it. Three got different it. things, and then I ask the question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Three, Three different, different things. things. What can you do with a match? Uh, you light on a fire. You can put the stinky fart sound <laughs> away. <laughs> then you can. Uh, Tie your shoe with it. Three different things. things. What are three things you do when you walk up the stairs? I look around to see if anyone's there. I <laughs> look down so I don't trip on the stairs, and I look back to see how many steps I climb. Three different <laughs> things. Um, how many things can you do with an iPad? You can throw it up in the air. Uh, no, actually, uh, you can do 73 things. You can do 29 things. Or you can do 82 things. I think three different things. things. Uh, what's that on your shirt? Uh, it's a picture, <laughs> it's a graphic, it's paper. Three different things. What do you do when you're plucking your nose hairs? Like my nose? Your nose hairs. Oh, I make sure no one's looking, <laughs> I make sure I get everything that I need to pluck, and I check to see what the longest hair strand was. Three different things. <laughs> Last one. <laughs> How many things can you do with a beer can? With a beer can? Yeah. Uh, you can crush it on your head and prove that you're awesome to your friends. Uh, you can uh, recycle it for money and be good to the environment. Or you can... Uh, beer can? You can throw it behind you and not look where you're going <laughs> and see what's happening. Three, Three different, different things. things. Okay. Um, what did you run over last night? I ran over a cat, a dog, and a mouse. Three yeah. different <laughs> things. A mouse. <laughs> <laughs> when you're brushing your teeth, what don't you do? Oh, yikes. Crap. Uh, what don't you do? Three different Oh, my things. God. I'm like, uh, pressure, pressure. I don't brush my face. <laughs> I don't swallow the toothpaste. And I don't... Oh, man, this is bad. I don't fling the toothpaste on the mirror. Like, three things. Uh, crap. Um, oh, man, that ruined me. Ah. <laughs> uh, Crap, wow. Guys, you're warmed up. That toothpaste okay. one. That's it. That got me. <laughs> that is just a warm-up. Mm. It may or may not make it into the, the production. I think I clipped. I was laughing pretty loud. <laughs> it was good fun. Okay. <laughs> the back of my head. So, um, okay, so you may or may not have been here 20 seconds ago when I introduced Jared. So Jared here is... Let me get up on this microphone. Um, I first uh, found out about Jared and a few other of your um, companions for your podcast called The Industry. Yep. The industry, how long did that go and when, when did it start? So the industry started December 2011. Um, the blog's still live. It was on a bit of hiatus like through like end of 2013, early 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, we started a podcast called The Industry Radio Show early 2012 and then we paused it when I moved to SF um, mid-2013. And that's why you paused it? Because of the move? I mean, basically, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. 
there wasn't a lot of time in the day afterwards. Right. But yeah. So it was what, good while it what did it? Yeah, like what was your overall experience with it? Like, did it change the way you thought about things? Did it maybe open up some opportunities for you? Like, what was your overall experience with podcasting and also maintaining the industry blog? Sure. So a major thing that the industry, the blog, and the podcast did for me was introduce me to my design career. So I introduce started off you to your career, my design career. Yeah. The podcast introduced you to your career. The podcast I, like the way, the blog. I like the way you say that. Whoa. That's cool. Introduce me to my career. <laughs> Tell me what that. What does that mean? Yeah. So. I was a writer. Um, I didn't call myself a designer. I, I felt I classified myself like a writer who knew his way around Photoshop, or could at least hack something out of it. Okay. Um, but I was always fascinated by like creativity, art, you know, just making things that you love mm-hmm. because you love to do it. Um, but I always like hid in the shadows because I didn't know you know the practices or i didn't know the tools fully i didn't understand how to build websites etc mm. um so i kind of like looked in and lived vicariously through the people who were on the podcast as guests right because they were all at they that were all time creatives. professional exactly. creatives being yeah. paid for their work exactly and you, you, you classified yourself as a writer who knew how to knew how to run photoshop, photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> what were you you were writing for the industry is that what you mean by that I was writing for the industry um, but which beforehand. is a, which is like a creative industry yes. blog it's yeah. about the industry exactly but you weren't at the time a professional I was in, not so in a way outside of the industry correct is that so what was that like I mean did you how did like uh, emotionally yeah. like is, is there a bit of like Conf- confliction right there? Yeah, I definitely feel like an intruder. <laughs> I think conflict. Conflict. Confliction. I'm making that saying. up right now. I get what you're conflict. Conflict. Is there conflict. a bit of conflict right there? There was. Um, so before the industry, I did some tech blogging. Um, okay. I at first focused mainly on Apple tech news mm. um, and then went a little bit more broader and just did like news in general. And I was writing for the Mash, for Mashable, not the Mashable. Oh, cool. Um, but I felt that for most major industries, they had like an uh, authority blog presence that covered like the ins and outs of that industry. So if you look at music or, or technology or, you know, social media, politics, whatever it is, there's like an authority blog that's live, right? If it's The Verge or TechCrunch or Huffington Post, Mashable, etc. Uh-huh. Um, but when you looked at design or just creativity for, for that matter, I didn't really see any at the time. Um, most blogs that I found around design were mostly like tips and tricks or like tutorials, like download this um, PSD to like learn how to do this effect in Photoshop type. Right. Thing, right. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting to me because I was looking for such a blog because I wanted to get into the space. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, if there's something I can follow, like, you know, four articles a day just to see how this industry is developing, um, learn what are the trends, learn what people are talking about, um, I could probably make my way into the industry a lot sooner. With that context, I, I can see how the industry as a um, as an outlet right is yeah. kind of ahead of its time because there, there really was nothing like, I remember when I found it I was like oh my gosh yeah this is I mean I was I was really young when I what year did you start it 2011 2011 yeah. four years ago wow that's when the podcast started that's when the the blog the started blog. the blog then, started right yeah um yeah, so it's quite ahead of its time in that way. I mean, right now we have a little bit more kind of saturation in, the, in that space. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, that's interesting. So one of the uh, podcasts that really kind of stuck with me all these years and actually kind of connected me emotionally to your story was, was it, there was this episode, I don't know what the context was or what like the story was behind it, but you kind of, I don't, I don't know if it's the right word for it, but you kind of like came out as 19 years old. Do you yeah. remember that episode? 
I you, do. You were like, I'm yeah. 19. And everybody's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you're like, yeah. It, and you're like, this is the first time I've ever told anybody that everybody, cause I've been doing some freelance work and nobody knew. I was I'd like, hide my age, right? Right. And that, and like, w- that really connected me to your story. I was like, wow, this guy kind of deals with, I mean, I, I'm not, I've never had to hide my age, but like, like hide parts of myself, right? I don't want people to know this about me because they won't think this right, about me right. kind of does that make sense Lars? Yep, yep. um so what the question i have is is what was it like to be a young creator who felt like he needed to because to, to give you a little bit of context of why i'm asking this question a lot of the people who listen to travel and and who watch my youtube channel and and look at look at our kind of productions are are people who are aspirational they're people mm-hmm. who want to become more um want to become into the industry yeah and so the question i have for you is is how did how did that work like what were you dealing with that you know like that that what would cause you to hide your age or what would cause you to think that it that it was a thing that you needed to hide yeah and people and do people need to hide it yeah um a lot of a lot of questions <laughs> that, was, that was like a 20 minute question sorry but like all the things this is like well look I, like, i've been like following this guy for such a long time this is like what i've been at wanting to ask him for so long so. yeah yeah and now i just did not a great job of asking me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay let's see can you break start. can you break your questions down again yeah break questions down why did you feel like you needed to hide it the age. The yeah. age. This um, was in 2011. This was 2011. Okay. Um, yeah, so I remember the podcast you're referring to, and, it, like, the episode stemmed from an article I'd published on the industry the week before. Uh-huh. Um, I was 18. You are 18. Yeah, Sorry. But same same thing. Yeah. Um, but I remember growing up, so I was, I was born in New York, um, Brooklyn, a part that wasn't exactly, like, you know, safe back then. And I lived two years briefly in Sweden, then came back to Brooklyn, um, then lived two week, two years in Venezuela, then came back to Brooklyn again. Uh-huh. And then I moved down to Baltimore to be closer to my dad's family. Right. Um, and, you know, growing up, I was always that kid that didn't really care too much for school. Not, I didn't, it's not that I hated it, like I would go, like I saw the benefit, but I always felt that I, that I, I was thinking different than everyone as, as around. Right. Um, and when I would bring things up, especially to teachers, they would always say things like, okay, like, you know, you're a kid, like, that's not how it works, blah, 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 blah. And for a while, I kind of accepted it that, okay, you know, maybe I am thinking that I'm smarter than I am, or like, you know, maybe I am thinking that there, this is the right way to do it, but I actually don't know anything, mm-hmm. right? So I just always kept that at bay. And, you know, family, family, friends, like, et cetera, just everyone I was surrounded by just kind of pushed this mentality of like, you know, don't try and be different, don't try and think clever, just like go with the societal norms. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I just like, I conceded to that thought for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But then going to middle school and like high school, I started feeling like, you know, this just isn't me. Like I'm into things that people around me are not into. So like in Maryland and my family, like a lot of them are in the medical field and like, you know, they're like, oh, Jerry, like go be a doctor when you grow up and all that. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that. It's like, <laughs> go do this. Like, I'm not interested in that. It's right. like, so what are you interested in? And I couldn't really define it to them because like I was, I just felt this, this like passion to be creative and make things. And like, there was no terminology or like, or job description for that back then. Right. right? There was no such thing as product design. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It was just like, I, I want to do something in Photoshop, Bob and Dad. And they're like, the hell is that? Like, you know? <laughs> Um, so I just kind of kept to myself and, and that's why writing became such a big thing for me because writing was like this non-judgmental platform where I can just say what I was thinking Uh and somehow if I put it out there, five or 10 people might resonate with it 
and tell me, hey, dude, like, I agree with you, right? Right. And it was, like, the first time that I was hearing validation for the way I thought, right? Right. And I found it in the world, like, people in, like, you know, Spain or, like, you know, New York or, or D.C. or California, like, it was not in my hometown, right? Mm-hmm. It was yeah. not by anyone that was surrounding me. Mm-hmm. Um, so naturally like you know i i didn't keep my age or like even race like <laughs> hidden because of like data or science or whatnot i just felt that like okay you know i kind of built this little thing for myself here and how can i preserve it right mm-hmm. so it's like okay well what are the top things that um that will make people think of me differently well it's it's perception so what's the two things that come what are the three things that come out when you see someone it's their their age mm-hmm. like you you guess their age based off of like their face their you know whatever it is so um so their, does that their gender and their and their race, right? Right. No, that's astute. So, uh, I'm trying to think of if Mashable has uh, like author credits with a picture and stuff. Like, did you have to like keep that away? Like, maybe so use an illustration. My photos. Or something, or? My photos. Like, it's pretty funny. Like, um, my avatars always used to be the side of my face. Uh huh. Um, and it it used to be like probably like from here over, so like you couldn't see it. Like your ear, and it was always like your, black and white. Your ear, yeah, that half yeah. of it. Like I can, I'm sure I can even. If you want that to be like the photo of like the episode, like I'm sure I could find this photo. Right. Like <laughs> interesting I, side note. Yeah. Did you know that your ear is kind of like a fingerprint? Interesting. No people have the same ear structure. No two people have the same ear structure. So no. it's not kind of. It is. It is. Well, except for it's not on your finger. <laughs> so it's not exactly like a fingerprint. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, but it's a unique identifier in the same way that a fingerprint is. Yeah, you know, yeah, your I like ear. that. I so. Like that. Could find you anywhere <laughs> by your ear. Like, it's, like a, it's like the Snapchat like QR code things. So yeah, like, yeah, you just QR <laughs> your ear. Right. You just put a Snapchat yeah. on your ear and they can find your channel. Yeah, yeah. I'll Snapchat your ear. <laughs> Sorry, you were talking about how age, sex, and uh, race yeah. are uh, are are things whereby people judge you a lot. Yeah. So I mean, I try to hide them as much as I could. It wasn't like I because you were preserving. That. Exactly. You know, what it's you like, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, because yeah. the writing gives you a platform and you can you can project intelligence or you can project right. ignorance. It's you like can you control had, that completely. Yeah, you had something great that was resonating mm-hmm. and what was successful about it was the anonymity of it. Exactly. Anonymity. You got it. Yeah, we yeah. were together on this. English. Yeah. <laughs> English. <laughs> Winning. America. <laughs> Um, but but I, like what I was what I was catching on to what you're saying is that that the writing you can control completely how people perceive it uh, based on how well you're out right or you know like how like you you can put out something that is like meant to stir up a little bit of frustration or anger in, in your audience right. or something that will completely please them you can control that yep. but what you can't control is their preconceptions and then how they relate to your image correct and. I, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, and so and you caught on to that really early on. So, like, when when how, what age were you when you started writing for um, Mashable? Sixteen. Sixteen. Right. Oh. Seventeen. What? Sixteen. <laughs> You're sixteen. No, it's good. It's cool that he was writing at sixteen for Mashable for like a legit publication. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was picking my nose hardcore. I mean, legitly picking my nose <laughs> hardcore at hardcore. sixteen. What was I doing? I was playing Halo. You're playing Halo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's interesting. Okay, so uh, so let's bring this right back around to to our audience. What would you say to somebody who's dealing with those same kind of things? They they want to legitimize themselves, and maybe they're not trying to gain an audience like you were. Maybe they're trying to just get get work freelance or whatever. Do you think it's a? I mean, there's one one question is: Do you think it's a good idea to right. to kind of like hang out in anonymity? And one thing, and the other question is. 
so a good idea and one is like is it right right you know like should we have to or it's something a, it's like a good that. question to ask because the sentiment on periscope has been oh i felt the same thing yeah this this guy said that at 15 he he tried to get like a photography gig mm-hmm. right and then some other people here are saying like oh yeah age has been an issue for me I'm, i haven't been taken seriously and they're putting up ages like 22 23 yeah so you're much younger than that so this is an appropriate, yeah, know, targeted question. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when he, when I listened to this, when I was listening to that initial podcast, I, I like all those feelings that I had, uh, those same things. Whether I was like where Jared was dealing with age and race and and sex, I was dealing with like, um, am I good enough or, right. or like different, like just insecurities generally and a general blanket of insecurities or like things that people project onto you. When you know, yeah. like you're not artistic, yeah, or you're not smart enough, right, to do this work or whatever it is. And your question was, how, like, like, how do we deal with that? How do you de- how do you deal with that? Uh-huh. And if you deal with it by hiding or remaining in the shadows, right? Yeah, like, is it good advice it to right say right? keep it to yourself for a while, like until you're 24, <laughs> like shut up about it? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Jared? I mean, you were 18 when you kind of announced it. Yeah, and did things change at that time? Like after you said. I'm 18. Do things change? Not really. Mm. Um, granted, I already had content, right? So I had already done it for a while. So yeah. when I when I said it, it was more like, oh, I thought you were like 27, right? It's like, oh, okay, you're 18. Awesome. You know? <laughs> they didn't care. Exactly. Yeah. Um, in I mean, in hindsight, like, I wouldn't change the way I handled it. Because it was, to me, it was the best decision at that time. And it wasn't like a mental decision where I sat down and I was like weighing like, you know, pros and cons. Like, okay, should I, or like, what day should I like schedule like the release of my, my age or something, right? <laughs> I just, you know. It's <laughs> on a calendar. Yeah. It's just. Date circled with red. It says, yeah. It's just I'm that, telling everyone. <laughs> you know, like my experience is people cared and then the web, people didn't care. Right, like on on Twitter, like no right. one really puts their age in their bio, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the only thing I was really hiding was my face, mm. because like putting eighteen or like in my bio or whatnot would have been awkward, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, I I've seen to found like I've seen I've seemed to have found a platform um, that only cares about what I have to say and how I think, yeah, nothing else, yeah, right? And I seem to have found a family of people, and this was the industry, and like you know, our guests on the podcast, and and just people I'd interact with over Twitter, mm-hmm. um, who likewise don't really care about anything other than, am I a good person, and do I do good work, right? Right. Um, so, I spoke to some people, you know, a bit before before I turned eighteen. Um, and I happened to meet some other like over the internet, some other young folks who. Um, who mentioned that you know they they kind of kept their age private as well, right? Mm. And when I, I remember when my 18th birthday came, like I wrote that whole article on the day of my birthday. Okay, like I didn't, I, didn't, I just stayed home and I just wrote it. It was like five thousand words. He did have a calendar right? circle. I knew he it. Did. <laughs> I did it. I, I was just like it was a birthday candle on it. <laughs> I remember it was like I remember it was kind of like you know this is just going to be like a gift to myself where it's like okay, like let me just take that veil back and in doing so maybe I will be doing something positive for other people like me right where it's like okay that 17 year old does not feel shy saying it now right mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. that 19 year old doesn't feel shy saying it or, or that girl or, or that guy or that boy or what, whatever because they can point to someone else and say like well he's fine is he not right, right? oh that's great yeah um, 
but to answer your question of like my advice to people today like yeah. granted this is like this has been four years four or five years since um i think it would be terrible advice for me to say keep it private mm-hmm. right um because that's not fair right fair it's not fair to whom mm-hmm. it's not fair to anyone like it's 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 not fair that society might look at people differently because of race, j- race, age, or, or gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also not fair for you to hide a piece of yourself mm. because of how the world will perceive you. Right? right. Now, granted, one might argue, well, you know, if you know that you're going to have a negative perception, wouldn't it be in your best interest to do so? Right. Okay. That's also a negative outlook on life where it's like <laughs> everyone you meet would right. be that way. And like proof of this is like the industry was not just me. The industry was a team of like 12 people and I had a co-founder, Drew Wilson. Right. I didn't right. realize it was 12 people. Yeah. And like, okay. Drew Wilson um, played a major silent role How in me feeling Drew? comfortable comfortable um, revealing my age. So I, I met Drew just inadvertently over Twitter. Such a really <laughs> talented guy. He is. Yeah. And um, Sorry. Drew, Drew's older than me. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like good years older than me. Um, and I remember on our first phone call where we were talking about what the industry could be and like what, what we wanted it to be, etc. Um, and he was like, okay, well, let's start with some introductions. And like he started with his, with his introductions. And the first thing he said was like, I'm blank. And he said his age. I don't know if it's public or not, but like he said his age. This was on like, air? Like This was a phone call between the two Okay, ones, a private right? phone call. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, crap, 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 crap. <laughs> he like started with his age. So like he's going to expect me to follow the same format, right? right. So it's like, when he's like, okay, and like, now you go. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm, how old was I at the time? 17. So 17. I think so. So. I'm 17, and and then he's. I was expecting him to be like, wait, what? Like, yeah. I can't. Like, you're too young. I can't do this with you or uh-huh. something. And he's just like, dude, like, did the line go out? And I'm like, what? And he's like, no, no, no. Like, you're you're just silent. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. Yeah, yeah I'm here. And then I just <laughs> you, you gave him space you know, to I, freak yeah. out. <laughs> and I just went with the phone call, and that that you was okay. Yeah, and that was proof to me. That that was proof to me. Um, whether or not Drew knew. I'm like this. nervous for you right now. Like, just like like yeah. Looks, uh, uh. yeah. That was proof to me that not everyone um, thinks the same. Not everyone would look at me the same, right? Yeah. And it, it also told me, like, you know, the people who are going to judge you for that stuff, well, don't be in their company. You hear that train? I do. Sounds pretty cool. You guys hear the, you, do you guys hear the train? <laughs> yeah, they hear it. The train is horrible. Jay David on the Periscope said, it doesn't matter what age you are on the internet as long as you're creating great content. People don't care. The internet has that that opportunity built into it. Yeah. It's definitely a level playing field. Mm-hmm. I think that if it wasn't for a few of the um, technological innovations of our, of the day, be- of the, the generation before us, the internet, um, the, the desktop computer, you know, software, uh, desktop publishing, I definitely wouldn't have had a chance, right? I wouldn't be able to go to a vocational school or to like be an apprentice of a master to become a designer ever. Right. And, um, just now that we're on the topic, right? I'm just going here and there. <laughs> but I remember when when uh, Steve Jobs died, and they had like you could write a letter to Steve Jobs. Right. It was like I didn't expect it to be so much, but it was like really emotional time for me. Yeah. And like that sounds like like oh Apple fanboy, but it wasn't. It was like a really personal thing for me to say like like this guy had the vision that nobody else had that made my life possible. That right. made me living here having the gifts that I have, yeah. the ability that I have to, to reach other people possible, yeah. and uh, and it's all because of the internet and like the whole package of this place enables you to do or be or say anything to anybody, yeah, 
little tangent there. Thanks, Steve. Miss you. <laughs> um, okay, so after the industry, I kind of like lost track of you for a while, and then you popped up again at, at Teespring. And if you guys are not familiar, Teespring is how I send T-shirts to everybody for, that's a fan of yep, DevTips. Yep. Um, so you, wh- what was your deal with Teespring? What was your position there? And also, how did you get there? And also, New York, San Francisco, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... I moved out to San Francisco. Actually, before I did that, um, I'm trying to remember all this stuff. So, like, so here, here's yeah. the gap that I want you to fill. 18 years old on, or sorry, 19, 18. What are, 18 years old on the industry, creative director at Teespring. What happened in between? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, through the industry, I met Ryan Carson, who um, is the founder of Treehouse. Okay. Um, and that was my first startup job. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- think I joined as like number s- employee number seven or eight. Okay, at Teespring. At no, at Treehouse. Treehouse. At Treehouse. What were you doing at Treehouse? Oh, that's I was right. Editor. Edit- editing videos. Editing content. 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 Because your background was in writing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and my resume was the industry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. Uh, tell me about your resume. The internet. The in- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Treehouse was kind of like basically an internship for me mm-hmm. right um and what it did was expose me to startups so just retracking like you know like you also mentioned too like the internet was this amazing place where i could just be myself um say what i had to say learn design publicly right share my work dribble twitter whatever it is and start building a following mm-hmm. um and then treehouse was okay you know the internet's awesome and then there's this other thing that's powered by the internet called like startups or just general like starting up an idea creativity type mm-hmm. thing right um, and Treehouse was very interesting because the whole premise of Treehouse was to quickly learn product you know well not product design web design web development iOS development right mm-hmm. um, so in doing so I started craving this idea of like entrepreneurship and like starting my own thing um, so I met two guys randomly um, uh, I'm trying to like s- like fast forward as quick yeah, there's as a lot of history yeah. right yeah, here there's a lot of <laughs> yeah. so I met two guys but I'm just um, interested in the randomly. path right yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like we had we one time uh, I don't know you can remember what episode number it was but there was this one episode where I had like all this content planned and I ended up just like asking Los his, like the whole thing right mm-hmm. like I'm asking you because it's so interesting like I, I find it interesting and people who listen to this show those are like their favorite episodes like yeah. how did this person like what's their life like how did they get to where mm-hmm. they are so sorry to interrupt but sure Good so, stuff. <laughs> That's good. I like it. I yeah. ended up starting a company um, right after Treehouse with with two co-founders. Mm-hmm. And it was an email app called EvoMail. Um, and it was going to be for the iPad. Okay. And EvoMail was where I f- really started getting my un- grasp and understanding for product design. Mm-hmm. And I did it publicly. Like... I was probably dribbling a shot of Eva Mail like once a week or once every two weeks and you know start it wasn't necess- it wasn't purposely to build hype but it did that that's right what it did. um and people started noticing like oh like Jared writes he also happens to design as well right mm-hmm. um we ended up launching the product about 10 to 11 months after we started it so this was April May 2013 okay. at this point um and e- you know, there were some lessons learned in doing that. It was the first time I ever did a company. Um, I was really young, and a lot of things I was naive and new to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended up not working out. Mm-hmm. The product 
went live and had some press coverage and all that. Um, wasn't necessarily that successful. Right. Um, we this was during the time of Mailbox, so Mailbox was like our main com- competitor mm. back then. What's Mailbox? Oh, was it the swipe the mail right? Yes, yeah, Dropbox left to Dropbox purchased them. Right. They built hype with like. Oh, there's so, a waiting list. So yeah. E- yeah, Evo was Evo. Evo mail. Evo mail. It wasn't. It was an inbox kind of thing. It wasn't a uh, email sending like a Mailchimp thing. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I was email client. Email client. I was thinking about Mailchimp <laughs> <laughs> as a competitor. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I moved out to San Francisco um, when I learned about a program called Bridge that was being done by Designer Fund. Right. And I went through their first session or first class mm-hmm. and the company i paired up with was a company is a company called omada health um it's a therapy digital therapeutics startup that came did, out did you say IDO. you moved to san francisco yeah mm-hmm. via bridge it, it, it was bridge. through bridge oh, for bridge okay so you're like uh, you got the it's like email mail's winding down uh-huh. you know lessons learned i'm still passionate i'm still eager to do this whole startup thing okay go to startup capital and then, and then Bridge happened, or was it, was it like a blind move to San Francisco and then Bridge, or is it had a connection already? Bridge. Yeah, had a okay. connection, got into Bridge, moved for it. How was San Francisco different than you were in New York at the time, or you were down in Florida? I moved from Baltimore. From Baltimore, okay. Yeah. How is the energy or the atmosphere or the people in San Francisco different than Baltimore? <laughs> um, so when I landed, San Francisco was very interesting because it was like when I when I lived in New York. City, city, and then when I lived in Baltimore, it's like in suburbia. Mm. So San Francisco was like this hybrid of the two, yeah. where it's definitely qualified as a city, mm-hmm. but people walked so slow, right? They walked slow. <laughs> they walked so slow. <laughs> That's on the inside the street, I was looking right? for. It's not they the just walk slow. East Coast, East Coast yeah, is just like, it's like, I need to they get just here have in New all, York. all the hours in the day. The weather yeah. doesn't change. It's just like this kind of like, <laughs> it's like someone like paused the day at like 323. It's Groundhog Day. Right. <laughs> um, they walked slow. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. But, I mean, it still is like a beautiful city, um, full of opportunity and full of really smart people. So, Despite the slow walkers. They just get in the way. (laughs) They just get around. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, going to coffee shops for the first time and, like, sitting down, not with a cup of coffee because I didn't drink coffee for a long Mm -hmm. time, um, but just all the conversations around me. We're just about startups and like yeah. technology yeah. and design and and back then like this was like utopia is like wow this is amazing like I can mm-hmm. learn so much just sitting here for twenty minutes now it's borderline irritating <laughs> but that's like two and a half years later that's just your um, own perspective changing yeah, exactly but yeah would it was, you it was interesting would you say that um, being in San Francisco can uh, help or hinder or ch- change the velocity of your career. I definitely think San Francisco is a catalyst, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's not; it does not create your ability or create your talent, right? So anyone anyone coming here with the mentality like, oh, like I'm looking from the outside in of like all these cool people, and if I can just move to the city, like I'll just I'll be like them, right? Right. That's a lie, right? Yeah. Those people come here and then they leave three months after because they realize the city can. You've seen them that anything. a few times, yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. Um, you have to have the raw hunger mm-hmm. to just crush it right <laughs> and if you can crush it where you are that's awesome all san francisco does for you is just speed that up and primarily because it's such a small dense um area mm-hmm. with so many of the same people thinking just like you right mm-hmm. so naturally you know that that's going to lead to opportunities right i'm not saying that if you're not here you can't be successful that's a lie mm-hmm. um but if you are here and if you have the right man- mindset it's definitely it's definitely a beneficial place however with that said um it does come in dosages so 
you know, I, I do see that the the likelihood of someone burning out or becoming jaded um, to the industry or to their work or to, to some, unfortunately, sometimes their friends um, is a lot higher here. I've, se- I've, I've seen that too. And it's we- it's like, uh, maybe I'm getting personal, it's kind of insulting sometimes when yeah. people are like, oh, San Francisco, anybody ever cares about is their startup, blah, blah, blah. And I think maybe that's what you're describing is like people being frustrated with their own thing and then railing against what everything is they're, they're mad that everybody is like thinking the same mm-hmm. but at the same time that that attribute of everybody thinking the same in a negative light is like oh everybody's a drone but the other side of that same attribute is that everybody is thinking they're all on the same page they're all the same goals they're all the same direction and then they can kind of the velocity is a lot i don't know this is my own experience mm-hmm. yeah i get onto the train and I can see that everybody has that same energy that I have in my head, in my mind, in my heart, and and it's it, for me it, it's in it's enthralling, it's mm-hmm. in, it's enlivening. Yeah. Um, but I could see if I was being frustrated with what I'm accomplishing, or with like my startup won't get off the ground, or or my boss is making me mad. I could I could see that going south pretty quickly, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm projecting or not. <laughs> No, I mean, you're right. Like, there are there positives and benefits to everything. Um, but, yeah. I like what you said about, like, San Francisco may be a catalyst to accelerate what you're doing um, because of the density of, of people with this, those, those same goals, but it's not going to make you a, a better creator. Yeah, I mean, like, if you put an accelerant on, like, no fire, it's not going to make a bigger fire. Right? It's going to have yeah. a puddle of... Fire <laughs> a bottle yeah. of accelerant. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So you you got with Designer Fund. They uh, ha- what's it called? Connect Bridge Bridge. Bridge sorry, uh, you got connected with a health um, startup. Omada Health. Okay. Yeah. Um, startup that came out from IDEO. So I did that for the Bridge program is three months. Mm-hmm. And originally, I had planned to move out here for three months, do the program, and then move back to Baltimore to start college. Mm. Um, just an agreement I made with my parents. It was the only way they were going to let me come out here. <laughs> um, I knew in the back of my head that I wasn't leaving. Right. <laughs> but it's kind of like, <laughs> like you shake on that and then you bounce. Yeah, yeah. Um, come get me. Yeah. So the program ended, but I was I really loved what it, I was working on at Omada, so I took like an extra two months to finish up that project. Oh, that's um, cool that they let you... Yeah. Invited you to stay. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards, I took... A little break. By little, I mean about like three days. Like I, I went home to Baltimore just to like say hi to my parents, and I'm like, "Oh, so you're back? I thought you were never coming back." Type thing. Um, and then I came back out to to San Francisco, and then I joined um, uh, Lyft. Not Lyft, the driving company. Mm-hmm. Um, Lyft, the habit tracking app. They recently rebranded as Comes uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember. Um, so at the time, it was incubated by Obvious Corp. Mm-hmm. Um, Obvious Corp is like the incubator behind Medium, um, Lyft. Right. And branch, um, which Who was purchased by Facebook. Facebook correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so branch that was, was purchased by Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was January that 2013. Ago? Yeah, and it was quick when from when they like launched to when they were purchased. Yeah, what did they yeah. do with it? Um, yeah. It turned into groups, Facebook groups, um, something like a oh that yeah. real space thing. The weird like there's like a um, the branch was a way to like <laughs> I remember what branch was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. And then they and then Facebook had rooms or something. Rooms was made by some of the people who were on the original branch team, but yeah, okay, as a side app, kind of yeah. like how you have like Slingshot and like all these like experiments. Slingshot was like a, a a take two on Poke, which was their like 
initial Snapchat competitor. Oh, okay. And then Slingshot was take two. Yeah. Cool. On that. Mm-hmm. I like that they uh, do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That they, they try to, like, here's an idea, run with it, see if yeah. it works. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, wh- where were we at? Um, Lyft. Lyft. So, I did some work with them for about... This was, like, my phase of just, like, understanding startups. So I'd go in, like, three or four months, learn what I had to learn, finish up my project, like, not leaving people hand, um, what's it called? Hanging. Hanging. And then um, see what's next. So I did Lyft slash Obvious for about five months, mm-hmm. um, and then I took a break. And this break, again, was about, like, three days long. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was just some contracts with some startups. At that point, I was doing contracts with more late stage or like post IPO companies okay. right um, and then in doing that I got connected with Teespring through a friend of mine Dan Petty um, he had done a contract for Teespring before and some background on Dan like this is a guy that does not full time like he's just like straight up contract just like mm-hmm. all day every day um, <laughs> so if he like he came to me and he's like hey dude like if I told you there's a company I'd like drop everything and like go full time with like would you go full time with them and I'm like well, yeah, if such a company existed, because clearly it doesn't, because you're not there, right? <laughs> right. Um, and he was like, no, 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 you know, I, I have a com- I just started a company, um, my wife's about to have a baby, and I'm thinking about moving to Hawaii. And I was like, okay, you know, those are three very valid reasons <laughs> yeah. to not be joining, okay? Three so, different things, why not you join? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, int- introduce me to said company, right? Right. Um, so I met with Walker Williams, the CEO of Teespring, and um, I, I was just blown away by by what the mission was of the company, right? And at the time, people referred to Teespring as, like, Kickstarter for T-shirts. Yeah. And I remember talking to Walker, and he's like, yeah, man, like, T-shirts to Teespring is, like, books to Amazon, right? Right. He's like, you know, when, 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 when Jeff Bezos started with Amazon, it was just books. First of all, all the book companies, brick-and-mortar stores, just thought he was, like, ludicrous. It's like, like this is not going to go anywhere, yes, right? <laughs> like, you, you can't compete with us, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Granted, those companies no longer exist, yeah. right? Um, but books was really just, like, his starting ground, right? All yeah. he was doing was just testing a hypothesis. It's like, if I, if I reduce the price a little bit, and if I reduce the friction and time it takes for someone to order something and have it delivered to them, the likelihood is they'll buy from us more. Yeah, right? Right. And then you scale that idea or that model to other products, right? Mm-hmm. So likewise with Teespring, Teespring was not inventing anything new, right? Yeah, like yeah. Before Teespring existed, like you can create a shirt, right? And like if you, if you want it, you can go down to your local screen printing shop and learn the difference between screen printing and digital printing, make your choice, order your shirts, et cetera, right? Yeah. But people ran into the same types of issues. One, you actually had to have the interest to go and learn that information. Right. Two, when it came to inventory, you would run into either, you know, one of two problems. Either you buy too many shirts and you don't have enough demand, so you mm-hmm. end up with three boxes of shirts in your mom's basement. Yeah. Or you underestimate, right, and you get too few, and then you have waiting customers, which yeah. makes for unhappy customers. Yeah. Right. right. And here it is, the Teespring came in and said, hey, you know, we called it a campaign, but really what it was was pre-ordering, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, hey, um, you have this idea, you had this design, right? Mm-hmm. Um, put it out there in the form of a link, just this one pager. And if people are interested, awesome. When your campaign ends, we'll print your shirts, send them to them on your behalf, and you yeah. just collect the, the, the profits. Mm-hmm. If not enough people are interested, okay, you can try again, right? There was no risk, there was no cost to you. Right. And he was like, 
I was like, wow, that sounds very powerful. And he's like, okay, well, imagine if we took that and we scaled it to any physical good, right? right. Imagine it could be sneakers. Imagine it could be jeans. I don't know what that would look like, but it's a, cap- it's a okay. possibility for the platform. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, what was also very interesting to me is that Walker was a product designer beforehand, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, back then that's when the conversation of like designer seat at the table and all that stuff started up, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, the fastest way to get your seat at the table is by having the CEO of the company be you, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was like, all right, you know, this sounds, this sounds awesome. And he's like, you know, as CEO, I don't really have the time to, um, to design the product and run the company at the same time. I'd like you to come on as our first designer. So I joined Teespring cool. as creative director, first designer. Um, the first thing I did was redesign the logo um, and then build the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was there for a year and a half. So I joined Teespring early 2014 and I recently left two months ago. Right. Yeah. Did you take a three-day break? <laughs> to be honest, not even joking, it was three days. <laughs> I'm sensing a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta keep the hustle. Yeah. yeah. That's how I feel like if I go on vacation, we've talked about this. If I go on vacation, I come back and I feel like I don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm not I'm not good anymore. I need I need that velocity. That's my it's thing. interesting. Um vacations for me, like a true vacation means I'm no longer on a schedule. Mm-hmm. So like if if I were to go on a trip and we planned out like all these crazy events for like a week or two, I would come back just as tired as when I left. Right. Because it was just another form of work. <laughs> that's my right? that's my jam. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> so, right. That's my true, jam. You know, a, a vacation <laughs> for me is like there's no schedule. You go to bed when you want to, wake up when you want to, do what you want when you want to. Mm-hmm. Right. If you want to surf, go surf. Don't like put a calendar event three thirty to five thirty PM surf. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, I, good. I got a hard stop of surfing at five thirty. Yeah. <laughs> My vacation demands it. It's like yeah. you, you're standing up on the wave and then your 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 wrist vibrates and it's like up oh, time time about surfing is done. <laughs> Sorry, Poseidon, I'm out. Yeah. So um that's awesome. Thanks for sharing your story. Sure. It's really inspiring to me. Uh what what's next? So right now I'm doing some contracting mm. and working not not too much, but a little bit of work with some VC, primarily Greylock Ventures in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Well, their San Francisco office. Um, but what I'm really passionate about is understanding how designers can show that the work we do is truly impact-driven, impact impact. right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it can drive impact, right? It's not... It's it's always interesting. It's like this battle between like craftsmanship, which is like all about empathy and love and, and care for, for your product and for your user. And then there's this other side of the conversation where it's like all about the business, the dollar, the sustainability of the idea, et cetera. And for a long time it felt that those two things couldn't coincide, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why I think the whole conversation of designer seat at the table started, right? It's mm-hmm. designers saying, Well, actually we can make business based decisions mm-hmm. and then the rest of the company saying, Well, doesn't seem like it, you guys come into the office, you're the most well dressed you sit in a corner to yourself and you make things look pretty, right? Right. And then there's always this argument like, well, we do a lot more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So instead of just sitting there and trying to like go along with the argument, I'm trying to test things out in my own contracts with companies um, to, to prove the idea that design can drive impact without having to say anything, right? right? Just just showing the, the results of my work. Um, and when I feel like I have a better understanding of the subject, then I'll write on it or, or talk on it, right? But, like, I'm not going to be adding to the noise on Twitter where it's like, you know, designers see the table, designers this, right, designers right. that. And it's like everyone's just watching us, like, bickering. And it's like, you know, well, wh- what are you doing to change the – what are you doing to change the perception, right? So you want to come out swinging with this is how you bridge the gap between creativity and business. 
Aspirational. Aspirational. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yo, I, mean, I, I was wondering yeah. if your editorial background will come into this question. Like, uh, once you've you know figured out whatever you feel like you need to figure out, yeah. do you think there's going to be some publications or some, like, some like, advocation? Yeah. Um, so I've been asked a few times, like, if I'd ever bring the industry back. Yeah. Um, the podcast, the blog, whatever. So the blog is kind of back right now. Um, I haven't publicized it or like made any announcement like, oh, we're back because mm-hmm. we've done that in the past and we kind of dropped off. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want it to be a trend where it's like, oh, the industry's back again. You know? <laughs> um, so uh, we have a small team now. It's three of us. Um, well, four of us. Um, we have an editor and we have a, a content strategist. Mm-hmm. And the editor, Jordan Cachet, like most of the articles you'll see on the blog right now are really his. Like powerhouse, really intelligent, really smart. So I've, I've offloaded a lot of those responsibilities to him. Um, but we all share the same vision that ultimately what we want the industry to drive as a conversation this time mm-hmm. is very much so that design can make a major impact in business, right? Mm. So the reason, this wasn't purposeful, but like in, in looking back, it, it kind of lined up really nicely. When the industry started for the first time, the goal was, you know, no one's talking about design the way that we think people should be talking about design. Right, right? yeah. Let's start that, right? Then we got to the point, today's age, where everyone's talking about it, right? Like, you search design on Medium, there's probably a thousand results, a thousand articles, right? A few years ago, there was no Medium, right? Yeah. We, we kind of felt like, okay, you know, we, we did what, we accomplished what we set out to do, mm-hmm. right? We wanted conversations, now there's too much, right? Right. Pat on the back, we can pause. <laughs> now it's, all right, everyone's talking about design. Um, but it's it's the same kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, what should we be talking about now? Well, how can design level up, right? Or mm-hmm. how can design start making a bigger impact? Or if design is already making an impact, how do we make our coworkers see that, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, and that's why we brought it back, right? We feel like we have something to say again. I like that. So. I can definitely see that how that how that works. Like you start off with reporting on what the industry is, yeah. and now having gained a lot of your own new experiences, going through that that those kind of like that cauldron, you know, yeah. of starting a, your own startup, wrapping it up, working for other startups, like launching a successful one. Teespring is doing really well, and now you're back to say this is not what the industry is, but this is now where it should be and how we should make it better it's, it's less of a reporting and more of a leading kind of strategy if i'm not mistaken i think that's really that's really really great really great idea <laughs> am i mistaken am i yeah. wrong yeah, that's all the right. goal yeah <laughs> <laughs> <You> nailed it <laughs> all right man jared i want to thank you so much for showing up and doing our podcast i know that like uh, i must have seemed like a crazy person when i met you at circles no no uh, <laughs> like, it was you, know, you should have seen it like no no but yes yeah no, no, but yes. <laughs> it was it was so funny like like i like <laughs> well uh jared was on this panel and and like i wrote down some awesome things i want to talk to you about that panel but i think we're running out of time and and i was like i just wanted to like meet him and talk to him and like maybe i can even score record him to come on this show because he's in san francisco now yeah um so the only time I could find him to talk to him is in the middle of this like loud music like party. It was like so it, loud. It was, was loud. Here and yelling at him, like he's like right next to me, and I'm like, I love your stuff. It's awesome. Come down here and talk to our podcast. And he's like eating food, and he's like, whatever. <laughs> but I'm so glad you did it, man. It's, it, we really appreciate it. Um, it was, uh, it was loud. It was, <laughs> it was like this random couple like dancing. Yeah. Yeah, everyone was just watching these two people dance. <laughs> it was definitely like... And it was like a black and white event, and I did not show up in black and white. Okay. So, no. It was just no. really awkward. <laughs> yeah. That's how you saw him. It's because he wasn't in black it's and like, white. It's like, oh, that's the one dude that does not look like the rest. Full color. Full color. Yeah. 
So uh, we're going to wrap up this show. Um, uh, you can find uh, more about the Travelos show at travelos.com. That's right. Also, we have a Twitter handle at Travelos. And say what's up there, Jared. We want to drop your Twitter hand- twiddle. And <laughs> <laughs> drop your Twitter handle here, so sure. say hello to you. Yeah. So I'm at Arondu. My last name E R O N D U. Okay. And anything else you want to say to everyone? Is the demographic brush your teeth? Is, yeah. Uh, is the is the audience designers creatives? Uh, creatives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll just keep crushing it. Yes. Right. And don't. It doesn't really matter how people perceive you. Um, the internet's this awesome place that does not really know race, no gender, or no age. Just knows good ideas. So if you're putting them out there, it's, it's bound to lead you to good places. It's an awesome message. Thanks a lot, man. Good night, everyone. Good night. And we're done. Woo! We got an episode.